Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and a man who's once again got his spreadsheet out. It's Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. Can barely put it away these days. No, I know, I know. So many changes, so many things to keep on top of. Um, we're going to talk lots about the transfer window and the shape of the squads going into the last half of the season. Uh, but first, a few little bits of admin. Firstly, thank you very much to Thomas George for the fantastic email. Thomas, uh, I almost feel get guilty that we're not going to read your email out, but there's so much to talk about. Um, but it was really appreciated. Um, secondly, David Alfie Ward is, who you might know from The Fighting Cock, is doing a thing called Under the Lights Comedy Club uh, with another comedian called Tom Glover. It's a show, a, a daytime comedy show for um, people who are going to be in Milan for the the Champions League match, um, particularly good for solo fans who are looking to meet other people for a pre-match show and get together. It's £12 at 12.30 at uh, Salone 4 in Milan. Salone, um, I reckon. Look, Salone. Yeah, I did wonder if it's Salone. Uh, but look up Under the Lights Comedy Club and you'll you'll find all the details you need with that. And finally, uh, our friend Sarah is running the Food Bank Collection once again before the Man City game. Uh, so between one thirty and 3.30, they will be parked up next to the burger stall opposite the corner pin, which is the Beavertown pub, the pub that Beavertown took over outside the stadium. Uh, they particularly need tinned fruit, tinned custard and tinned meat. So if you're going to be going to the game and you fancy helping out the Tottenham Food Bank, that would be very much appreciated. Um, we should say get well soon to Antonio Conte, who has had some surgery to have his gallbladder removed. Um, Nathan, this has not been a good time for Antonio Conte. No, it's something that we haven't done a great job of touching on in all of our um, criticism of Antonio Conte, which I think it is fair to us to have made still. Um, there's definitely a very relevant human element. And um, if several of my friends have passed away, um, and I was going to say if I had excruciating stomach pain, but I, I don't have to actually imagine that, um, I would certainly want to go home too, you know? Um, yeah. Kind of understandable on a, on a human level for any any other um, um, thoughts you might have on how this time with him at Spurs has gone. And and to be fair, it's, you know, it's worth acknowledging that... that um, an unsigned contract does leave the club in a difficult position. He himself is also definitely in a, in a difficult position, which I think it's worth sympathising with to to an extent, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, he's not an old man, Antonio Conte, he's middle-aged, but you know, it must be really hard when your peers are, are dying around mm. you and would make you question your own mortality and the time you've got left and how you might want to spend that time. 
So I do think it's like completely reasonable for him to be thinking about, you know, spending time with his family, um, being at home in Italy more. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do absolutely see that from his perspective and why he might want some um, wriggle room in terms of why he hasn't signed a new contract, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and it does feel like the reporting is hinting more and more towards him going back to Italy in the summer. It feels to me. Yeah, to go home, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I get that. And I do, I really, you know, sincerely, like, I hope he gets well soon. It sounds like a really horrible thing to have gone through. And uh, obviously, it's surgery which can be done fairly quickly. So, um, Mushtaka, who is a, a listener, has a, a friend who's a surgeon and said that this is a one one night stay in hospital and then 10 days recovery. So hopefully he won't be missing for too long, but still not a nice thing for him to have to go through on top of everything else he's been dealing with. Uh, let's talk about the closing of the transfer window. So we are late this week. We normally record on a Monday <laughs> we, unless Spurs are playing on a Monday. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We were due... We were set. Mm. We were we were penciled in. This is why Barney mm-hmm. isn't here. Sorry, guys, about that. We were penciled in to record uh, Monday late afternoon, early evening, and then the news that po- the Poro deal might fall through came out, and I was like, "Let's, uh, you guys, free on Wednesday. <laughs> let's let's not let's not do this right now." Um, yeah. And I'm I'm very glad. I'm missing Barney, obviously, um, but I'm very glad that we waited because we would be uh, sat here going. Well, if we sign him, then this, and if we don't <laughs> sign him, then that, and uh, at least, at least we knew, and yeah, we know for the better. I, I believe. Uh, j- just in fairness, Bardi was meant to be here tonight. Yeah. Uh, like we, we didn't say it's Monday with Bardi or Wednesday without Bardi. Let's do Wednesday. He was, he, he, he had forgot. said he could make it, and he forgot he had other plans. Yeah. So we, yeah, we wish he was here. Um, in fact, what we'll do is we'll slot in a voice note right now from Bardi with his takes on the transfer window. So Windy has made me paranoid. Last time I wasn't there on a podcast, or oh, make a voice note, made a voice note, and then he just decided to take me apart and I had no way to respond. So I could go like Eminem in 8 Mile and just diss everybody, then he can't come back at me. But that's not my style. I think the window's been pretty decent. I'm pretty happy with it. We've moved out a player, which um, Conte doesn't fancy. Two players that Conte doesn't fancy. And we got in two players who he'll use and who offer us something different. It's very sad about Brian Hill. It would have been great if it worked. But if Conte doesn't see a role for him or he's unwilling to fight for that position, then he's useless being in the squad. So move him out, that's fine. Jed Spence, it's a bit sad, but he wasn't getting minutes either, so he's pointless. And at least he removes the, the question mark. Jed Spence is gone. He can no longer be something that Conte is questioned about. And it removes a bit of ambiguity around the squad. We've now got two right wing backs. Emerson, a slightly more defensive one, and Poro, who looks great going forward. I think the two of them can work in tandem and then we can use them according to who we're up against. I'm happy with that. I think the Poro deal probably took longer than it should have. We could have got it done faster, but it's a great signing. Danjuma looks pretty decent. And if he can offer something else and be a willing part of the squad, then it's then it's just a good thing. I'm pretty happy with the transfer window. We didn't get the centre-back or the creative influence in midfield, but it's all right. I'm feeling pretty confident. I think a nice run of results, something good in the FA Cup, get something against Man City. Then we've got the Champions League. Milan are in a bit of a mess. I think it's all right. I don't think there's any kind of narrative that could be drawn to it. I don't think you can take any kind of look at it and go, oh, no, there's a conspiracy or... 
we're setting the team up for the next manager. I think we've given Conte now a right wing back that's that's highly functional. And then across the other side in Perisic, we have a left wing back who's pretty functional. I think we have what we need now to, to push on and get in that top four. I'm, I hate rating windows, so I'm not going to rate it, but I'm pretty happy. Now, go after my manager, Wendy. What you got? Uh, so if we, if we think about the players we've signed and players we've sold, loaned, released... Um, the players we've got in Pedro Porro, very exciting right wing back. Um, I think we can all agree that's an outstanding um, improvement in our squad. Um, Danjima, who we spoke about last week, and Jude Sunsup Bell, who is a very much a development squad signing uh, player from Chelsea. Players who have gone out, Brian Hill has gone back to Sevilla on loan. Jed Spencer's gone to Wren on loan. Matt Doherty was released and has signed for Atletico Madrid. Harvey White has gone on loan to Derby County. And a young goalkeeper, Hayton, has gone to Barnsley. Um, he was released and has gone to Barnsley. And there were a couple of other things in the offing. So Malachi Fagan Walcott was due to move to Swindon, but that fell through at the last minute due to paperwork issues. And there was some talk around Alfie Devine going out on loan, which we'll, we'll come on to a bit later. But that's the shape of the transfer window for Spurs. I'm interested, Nathan, to get your sort of initial thoughts. I guess the thing to think about is, are we stronger now than we were at the start of the window? And, and use that as a starting point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I've, I do my I do my spreadsheet um, thing, and I did one at the beginning of the window, and I've done one now at the end of the window, and it it definitely looks prettier. Um, some of the steps along the way are 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 dubious, but on the whole, we're stronger. Here, hmm. So I was looking at the looking at the spreadsheet last night, and I was thinking, um, okay, we are lacking depth at central and right centre back. Um, okay, we we. Um, are lacking a profile close enough to Kulisevsky. Um but this is this is getting close to a fairly well balanced squad now. Mm-hmm. But then I have this other concern that we need to be playing a three man midfield and we have not built for a three man midfield at all. And that we have the exact same profile pretty much five times in midfield and we can't play them as a three and we would lose all our creativity if we were to remove Kulisevsky from the team. So um, in order to try to grade this window overall, it's quite a challenge because I think there's two very different ways of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. And then also you factor in the fact that Antonio Conte might not be here come the summer. And so we're sort of building the squad for now, but also for the future. Um, mm. And that makes it more complicated. Well, we've 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 brought in two players. Obviously, one is potentially only temporary um, of a good age profile. Mm. Definitely. But also um, Pedro Porro is almost too offensively focused to be a wing back, let alone a full back. Right. So definitely the squad is built to be playing with a back three. Um, I know Harry Brooks disagreed on Twitter. He said, look, if you've got a wing back, I, he can... I disagree too. Okay. I disagree okay. too. You think, you think wing back to full back transition is, is not such a challenge? I think wing back to full back transition is not um, a challenge at all in the right team structure. Okay. I mean, so if I think about how Pedro Porro plays for sporting, they play a possession-based style... Uh, they they dominate the ball in the majority of matches against um, some quite poor teams. And Pedro Porro essentially waits on the, the shoulder of the defence for a diagonal to come his way um, and then latches onto it. Uh, 
so the, the the to be honest, I think the difference between that and the way he'll be asked to play under Antonio Conte is far more different than the difference between what he ends up doing under Antonio Conte and then what he ends up doing under under our next manager. So not that that makes it any better necessarily, but I think like I'm not worried about the conversion from wing back to full back. I'm a bit more worried about the conversion from possession based team to counter attacking team. That said, his skill set is I think outstanding. Um both in terms of creative passing, and that involves part, you know, his right-footed passing up the line, but also being able to come inside and pass with his left foot. Um, really nice passing range with his left foot, and a variety of crosses, which I think we have possibly never seen at Spurs from a wing back. Kyle Walker was amazing at cutbacks. Kieran Trippier was amazing at crosses from deep. I think Pedro Porro can do both. I think Pedro, Pedro Porro can produce outstanding cutbacks and also crosses on the run from deep. Yeah, his um his hard hit, his his borderline laces crosses are um are not something we've really seen at Spurs. Um trying to think. No Regulon's technique isn't a million miles away from that. Um Cessnion and Rose never hit them like that. Perisic doesn't he he gets in close to the box and almost chips them. So yeah, mm. he's he's unique in in that sense. The, the last fullback I can think of us having that crossed the ball uh, as well as Pedro Porro can cross the ball is Christian Ziga, and that's going back to the early noughties. Well, I think I think people think of Kieran Trippier not unreasonably as yeah. being an outstanding crosser of the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, Porro is is on a similar level. Of in his crossing, whilst also being able to take on his man, oh, um, yeah, which yeah, never yeah. could. Like, not even just take on his man, but also you know carry the ball, um, hold on to the ball, those kinds of things. Where Trippier was um, was like a, a, a turn based <laughs> football player. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was very yeah, very sure. static. Um, okay, so I, I've done a video on Pedro Poro. I'm intending to do another one, um, a sort of a fun bonus celebratory one. Um, you don't seem especially concerned about the concerns I laid out in my video. The um, there are lots of concerns about his defending. Sure. Um, from from people, and I think I think it's reasonable to be concerned about his defending. He is not great. He's not a great one on one defender. No. Nope. Um, and I think that is partly um exaggerated due to the way that sporting play but also he is simply not a great one-on-one defender in the same way that Ivan Perisic is not a good one-on-one defender I think um that could get exposed sure I, I think they'll get exposed less in a wing-back system more in a in a in a flat back four but I also think if you think back to the last time we played a back four um and played it well under Pochettino the team structure meant that Kyle Walker and then Kieran Trippier were we're playing essentially as wing backs because we had a defensive midfielder dropping in between the centre backs to split them in possession, and then a, a double pivot to protect our defence, meaning that our wing backs could stay higher. And I think if we work towards in the future, work towards that system, that sort of system again, it gives enough protection that we don't need to worry about the fact that Pedro Porro has some weaknesses uh, in his defensive game. I think in terms of positioning. You know, in an Antonio Conte back five compared to a, a typical back four in the defensive phase, um, how do I phrase this? Um, vertically, I don't think there is any difference. Horizontally, there is a difference. So he'll he'll naturally be wider than he would if he were playing a back four where he would have to tuck in more. Uh, and he, 
I think it's fair to say that his concentration is is a slight weakness. Like he doesn't, his defensive positioning is is a slight weakness. He doesn't always know when to tuck back in. He he wants to be an aggressive defender. He's a good presser. He wants to go and compete and win for the ball. Um, he's not too worried about what happens behind him while he does that, and, and that is to his defensive judgment. I yeah. I don't think he's a great defender. I also don't care that much about yeah. wing backs so, defending. You know, um, okay, okay. We we had a couple of games recently where we saw Sessegnon and then Perisic play a role back to back, and we saw the difference there. But um, I do think that um, if you're in a position where your wing back can defensively cost you the game, you've made other mistakes earlier along mm-hmm. the line. If you look at that City game, okay, yes, Perisic um, got absolutely cooked alive by Mares on three occasions right um but before that situation has arrived we've allowed City to dominate the game and I appreciate City dominate the game very often um but it wasn't our game plan to allow that to happen um because we didn't allow it to happen in the first half and then and then City up their intensity right so um yeah just not not too worried about Poro defensively um just because I don't think wingbacks need to be that good at defending. As long as they're trying, <laughs> they're generally doing all right. Um, where I'm more concerned is his behavior in possession and in build-up. Do you, are you not concerned about that at all? Just the fact that he's he's so relentless in his desire to make something happen every time he has the ball. Absolutely. Cross, 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 force it, force it, force it. Um, uh <laughs> Uh, you you could suggest you could you could one could guess that Antonio Conte might want to coach that out of him. Mm. Um, he's a very pragmatic manager. He wants players to wait for the exact right situation before they try and force something. Whether he can do that, who knows? Whether he finds it frustrating, who knows? Um, but given how little we create currently, I'm not worried about it. Okay, okay. I I have those concerns. I put them out there. Um, but I'm definitely still excited about Poro. I still, you know, ah. he was a player that I, you know, I, I, I have had on my my right wing back list for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, been really keen on his attacking output because he's he's outstanding. Um, one thing I haven't talked about much that is in line with his decision making is that he takes a horrendous number of shots from like deep crossing positions, and so that's going to be fun to touch on in a couple of weeks' time when that comes up. Um, the sort of the the Kyle Norson special, um, the back post special, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, but he's really exciting. He's so he's so technically strong. Mm. He's um, mm. he's fun. I've, I've no doubt that we'll have fun with him. Um, and in terms of like, yeah, building, uh, sign, I, I, to me, I feel he is somewhat of a specialist to our current situation. And you feel pretty confident. Um, and most of us feel fairly confident that, that our current manager will be gone in the summer. So do mm-hmm. you have any, any concerns about, about long-term planning with Poro? You think because of his age, because of the versatility of a, of a modern fullback and wingback that he's just good and good is good? Yeah, honestly, and, and people have said, you know, it's one thing having Pedro Porro in a in a in a back four system, but it's another thing having Pedro Porro and Destiny Udogi yeah. in a in a in a back four system. And I do understand that because normally when you've got one really attacking um fullback, you would have another one that's a little more defensive and would tuck in alongside the centre backs. But that wasn't the case with Walker and Rose, was it? We had two very, very attacking fullbacks at the same time and we managed it because we had Wanyama, we had Dembele, we we had players who who dropped in and provided cover and 
covered space. Um, and I think we can have that again. We've got a really good set of defensive midfielders in our squad. So I'm not overly concerned, basically. I think the upside... I think you have to... We've been so used to watching our team defend first and foremost over the last three or four years. And it's you sort of forget that we should be thinking of these players as swords and not shields. Um, you know, these are really exciting players who can do a lot of damage to the opposition. Uh, let's not focus on the defensive flaws. Let's think about how we maximize the the upside and protect ourselves in other ways. So yeah, the final the final upside to touch on is that like having a threat on the right wing opens up more space elsewhere in the pitch, mm. right? Creates more room inside of Kulosevsky. Um, and potentially, you know, the, a lo- quite a bit we've seen um, opposition sides just just leave their wide left flank open for Emerson Royale because he doesn't offer anything there. And as a result, that they can cram the middle more, they can mm. put more focus and attention towards Trek and Sun's runs, they can worry more mm. about Perisic and stuff. So this this gives us, if you think about our our front line of five, our first choice front line of five being Perisic, Sun, Kulosevsky and Poro. Um, that, that's, that's threat all across all five divisions of, of the space there, right? Um, so that, that's definitely really promising in, in what that offers. <laughs> Emerson Royale does remain our now only other <laughs> option at right back. Yeah, so before we come on to that, do, do you have any views about the the way in which we went about the signing of Pedro Porro, um, hmm. the chase across the window. So apparently, and this is a collection of loose reports here and there, right? And, and the, how um, sounds these reports are, especially in combination, you can't be certain of. The idea is that he had this clause, 45 million euro release clause. Um, first of all, a release clause is a lump sum that has to be paid up front and that's never going to appeal to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. And secondly, apparently, apparently, um, the clause was only valid for the first half of the month of January, and not the second half. And we didn't know that. And in the first, in the first half of the month of January, we were bidding under the release clause, and Sporting were saying, "No, you're going to have to play the release clause." And then in the second half, when we met the release clause, they were like, "Oh no, that's not valid anymore. <laughs> that's only valid in the first half of the month because they genuinely didn't want to sell him. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to lose him." Um, and fair play to them. They've got Hector Bear in, in, which I think is it's a pretty good replacement as they go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's it's odd. So we also apparently made considerable use of um, of intermediaries. We didn't have Paratici and Levy in Portugal. We sent an agency on our behalf. Um, and that's kind of something that we've been calling for, right? We've been saying Levy needs to step back from football operations, and that's what this is. And we've also said, hey, um, our footballing operation, we're glad that we have a director of football, but it shouldn't just be one guy on his um, earphones that come with the phone 24 hours a day, <laughs> flying absurd um, air miles, you know, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We should have a fluid operation where tasks are um what's the word i'm looking for devolved sure <laughs> go with that <laughs> uh tasks are handed out to to, to various people various various aspects on the go so that we're we're working on multiple things at the at the same time right so delegated delegated is the, is the word yeah. delegated right delegated to intermediaries and we did that and apparently they cocked it up so well well so this i think this is from the athletic report it says 
When the representatives from CAA base who worked on the deal tried to get a position in writing from Sporting to take to Tottenham, they were left frustrated. There were moments when it felt as if negotiations were heading in the right direction and a verbal agreement was close, but these proved to be false dawns more than once. The goalposts kept moving. It does sound like Sporting have been very, very challenging to deal with. And I don't blame them because, again, this is a player that they didn't want to lose and it's on us to make it a situation where they would want to they they would accept the mm-hmm. terms so you know um apparently there was there was a an admin fee a last minute admin fee and i don't know if you've ever experienced buying a fucking ticket at the, at the tottenham hotspur stadium before but they also lump in a last minute admin fee so i don't feel too sympathetic on that <laughs> um and then we we paid the admin fee by losing some of our um sell on from edwards which was an, which was an idea we proposed in an earlier trade Mm-hmm. Um, Lost 15% on that. Yeah, which seems like that would again like eventually be more, uh, likely be eventually more than, than the fee is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we changed it to a loan with an obligation, potentially I suspect, to skirt around Sporting having to pay City as much of, of, of their cuts of, of Poro's clause. <laughs> which goes to, like, there's so many uses of clauses and there's so much skirting around the clauses it really is a sort of a very silly um lawyer's game <laughs> yeah <laughs> trading, yeah right yeah <clears throat> yeah there, there i've seen fans say you know what we should have done is just pay the the 45 million euro sure. release clause up front and um rather than paying it all in one go we could have um used uh essentially taken out a loan uh, and paid the interest on that loan which would have been seven or eight six or seven percent i'd imagine yeah um but six or seven percent on 45 million euros is is a significant amount of money it's almost a matt doherty <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um and I, and I can't imagine that would have been too attractive to daniel levy but you're right i think it's really difficult to speak about the pedro porro deal without also talking about what happened with matt doherty on deadline day because let's, we've ended up it. taking a really, really significant financial hit here, I believe, um, which kind of makes you think, why were we so precious about the Pedro Porro negotiation? Because when it came to it, we've just lost a ton of money. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So let me, let me read you, to, to sort of sum this up, let me read you um, a part of Alistair Gold's um, really good post-transfer deadline day um, reporting. He says uh, of, of Atletico Madrid, now they turned their attention to Dotti. That's when it all got a bit messy. On Tuesday morning, Dotti was all set to leave on a loan deal without an option or obligation to buy, and he was in Madrid to complete the final details of the move. However, at some point during the process, somebody within Spurs must have realised that with Spence heading out on loan, the club had now reached the limits imposed in recently changed FIFA rules that dictate you must only have eight players out on international loans at any one time. Spurs already had Tongi and Dombele, Giovanni Lo Celso, 
Regidon, Brian Hill, Harry Winks, Rodon, Spence and Destiny Udogi out on loan. From that alone, it's worth noting that the club's transfer policies have been so poor and their ability to sell players so bad that they have, seen, have seven signings that cost them around $250 million sitting out on loan at other clubs. What it also meant was that Doherty could not, by FIFA rules, go out on loan and the compromise had to be found, one that nobody was expecting. The decision was taken to mutually terminate the Republic of Ireland International's contract and he joined Atletico on a short six-month deal. Spurs had mutually terminated Serge Aurier's contract in 2021, but the Ivorians' deal only had a year remaining, while Doherty had a full 18 months to go. <laughs> so, we we had an inkling about this, because uh, Joel Wertheimer, Wertheimer, I never know how to pronounce Joel's name, who is um, Wertwile on Twitter, really good Twitter follow, do follow Joel. Um, Joel is an ex-sub, and we, we chatted in the Discord and he was saying, can anyone find a reason why we would be allowed more than eight players out on international loan? Because otherwise, I think Spurs are about to break a regulation. And absolutely, people were trawling the FIFA laws to find a loophole. Maybe there's a loophole around Destiny Udogi or something. But no, we couldn't find anything. So Spurs were about to about to breach a regulation, so we thought. Um, and... We, I asked a guy who asked a guy at the club and uh, and said, you know, what's going on here? And the club were like, no, no, everything's fine. And at that point, I kind of thought, oh shit, is Doherty going permanently? Um, he, of course, he was going permanently, but not in the way that one might have thought. He was released. He was released. And people are sort of saying, you know, this is this is a saving. We're saving Matt Doherty's wages. Let me tell you, that is not how a mutual termination works in football. Um, why would Matt Doherty agree to go for nothing with no payment when he has an 18-month contract on 66000 a week? He would not do that. He simply would not do that for a six-month contract at Atletico Madrid. So Spurs have paid him off. Um, judging from my experience in the workplace, they've probably paid him off a significant amount. I imagine they've probably paid either the rest of his contract or not far off it. Um, so we're talking five million quid. <laughs> And maybe, maybe they've paid him off six months. Maybe they've paid him off a year, but they've paid him off something to get rid of him. That's what mutual agreement means. Or. Or. Oh, yeah. Or there's some crazy shit going down, which involves him coming back to us in six months time. Yeah. Or he has he has a 12 month contract on the table for him. A gentleman's agreement in the summer. That would be wild, wouldn't it? That would be that would be like, um, um, what was he called? Who's the guy? Well, I can't remember his name. The guy we signed, essentially from Man U, who went to another club in between. Oh, the left back. He went to a, a Portuguese club um, or Belgian, I seem to recall. He uh, he had a fun name. Um, oh my god, what's his name? Oh, he was Belgium. You're right, Zeki Zeki Friars. Zeki Friars. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zeki Friars. Do you remember the, the, that 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 workaround that we came up with? Do you think that's? Do you think genuinely that's an option? Do you think that might I would be not be shocked here? to discover that, that we've done a, a pseudo loan. <laughs> so, what do you make of this, Nathan? Um, well, I, I was going to make the point that 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 um, is Ali Gold. He made in the article himself is that the reason we have already got eight players out on international loans is because of eight. Okay, maybe six. <laughs> maybe only six uh failures in our mm. in our process along the way, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and Domblay and Lacelso, um I think that we failed them as much as they failed us. Um Harry Winks, okay, we couldn't get a sale for him, so we did a sort of a, a 
get him on the market loan type thing. Jed Spence um, had options from English clubs as well as several options abroad and smartly went to the club who were going to actually play him. But that meant that it was an international one. Mm-hmm. Um, Dodgy is a uh, a buy before your loan <laughs> deal thing. Fair enough. Regulon, I I'm sympathetic to because I thought Regulon was a magnificent signing, um, and it just hasn't worked out. So give him a buy on that one. Joe Roden, I think the club have made a mistake along the way in purchasing a young player for managers who don't play young players. Yeah, um, I think that he was quite a hot prospect when we signed him, and now he's not. <laughs> yeah, and the same could be said of Brian Hill. Yeah, well, that's kind of its own point. Do we want to move on to Hill right now? Um, and then let's, just, let's, let's briefly finish Doherty okay. and then we'll move on to Brian Hill. Um, so the, the final thing I would say on, on the Matt Doherty situation is a lot of people are saying, you know... He's better than Emerson Royale? We, no, not even that. People are saying he's rubbish. Okay. You know, it's, good that, it's good that we've got rid of Matt Doherty. He's rubbish and we've signed an upgrade. And why, why do you care? Why do you care that we've released him it doesn't matter um and i'll say there's a couple of reasons to care one of them is a little bit tenuous but it's that matt doherty is harry kane's best friend at spurs um that's that's just the reality and we want to keep harry kane happy and if we have at the last minute released matt doherty um and the players according to alistair gold's reporting were surprised about it uh i don't know it just it feels a little bit risky the other point is it's not even the money about, you know, the, the the hit we've taken in releasing a player who we could have got a few million for. Uh, it's not even that that bothers me. It's the lack of organisation behind the scenes, the lack of planning, the lack of understanding how many players are out on loan that concerns me greatly. Um, you know, this is, we're talking, this is a multi, multi-million pound business and there are decisions being taken at the last minute on transfer deadline day that make us look completely incompetent and undermine a lot of um a lot of the otherwise good work that i think we we have done over the past couple of years in the transfer window and the fact that this is the second time in a row it's happened after serge aurier um goes to show to me that there's there's something something going wrong like i've got no issue with us releasing players if they've got if they hold no value and we just need to get shot at them but we didn't need to get rid of matt Doherty. we could have just kept him around and not added added into the Champions League squad list, and that would have been just fine. Just as you're typing that, I've added a loan army cell to my spreadsheet, so I am now keeping track of our international loans better than Spurs are doing. Nice, nice, nice. So, Brian Hill. Um, How are we feeling about Brian Hill joining Sevilla? I'm happy for him um, because he was frustrated. He was frustrated because... um, Conte came in and said, oh, this this little boy is not physical enough to play football for me, right? Um, and then he worked and he worked. We saw that he was the hardest worker in preseason. We saw beyond just hard work that he was also good when he played in in, the, in like the friendlies. And um, did he play like an early cup game or anything like that? Or am I imagining that? Maybe he came uh, off he the bench here in the there. Champions League, didn't he? And then continued to work hard and then wasn't used with Kulosevsky out injured for weeks and weeks. Finally, um, the second half of the season comes by and and he's thrown in. Struggles against Villa, but Conte says he he played well and I'm impressed and he's working really hard. Plays the next game. Uh, was it Palace? Crucial mm-hmm. in two goals. Really good. Um, finally, we have a backup to Kulosevsky. Oh, it was that guy we had all along. Um Conte says Hill's no longer going to go out on loan. 
okay, brilliant. I'm happy. Uh, he's happy. He's he's earned it. He's proved against the odds. Um, and Kane came out and said, look, I said to these players, you just got to take your chance when it comes. And he took his chance when it came. And then we signed Dan Juma and he's, he can go on loan now. And the, the the thing is, and I think we probably spoke of it last week, they're such different players. Yes. There's, they're, they're both attacking midfielders and that's where the comparison ends. Yeah, so um, yeah, I spoke about this on the, on the last episode, and I also put out a free video that went out on on Reddit because they're not very good at taking down match footage on Reddit. <laughs> so go and check that out if you haven't. Where I where I touch on Dan Juma as a player a, a, a bit, so I compared him to Sun again, stuff we did on the previous episode, um, and then I expressed my concerns about the squad building in in bringing mm. in a player like that. So um, Dan Juma predominantly plays um, well for for Villarreal. He played this sort of half position where he's half a left winger and he's half a centre forward, which is not mm. dissimilar to a role that we've seen Sun play a, a few times for Spurs right especially under Mourinho um and so in that he he compares directly to Sun pretty well um now he does have more to his game in his in his build-up play in his dribbling in his crossing um in his tight space control and his bringing others into play um so he has played on the right before he played on the right for Bournemouth a bit um about 250 minutes <laughs> um yeah I I think that you can you can answer this for yourselves, right? How good um, a backup to Kulusevski is Son? How good a backup to Kulusevski is has Richarlison been? Dan Juma's a little better than that, I think. So um, Dan Juma's a better player. He's a readier player. He's a more physical player. Um, so in terms of overall quality, he's an upgrade. But in terms of the profile, the role, footedness, suitability, um, we have weakened our depth to a player who spent a lot of the season now injured. And it's absolutely crucial to our chance creation. So I'm a little worried about that. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. And I think it's fucking stupid the way we've gone about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And, um, you know, lots of people have, have posted this thing online about how we, we've paid Sevilla like 20 plus million for Brian Hill and given them Eric Lamella. And Brian Hill as um, well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they've ended up with Brian Hill as well. And like, obviously that's stupid because they haven't got Brian Hill permanently. They've got him for the rest of the season. And presumably they've paid a loan fee also. Like we'd have got some money for Hill. Um, but <laughs> it does make us look a little stupid again with uh with our transfer policy so that's hill uh jed spencer's gone to wren um so when this was first reported so it it became clear that jed spencer turned down atletico madrid because he he thought he was gonna get more game time at wren which i i think sounds like a a really sensible Mm. decision and then at the time, um, people were like, actually, their captain is their right wing back. And he's he's in really good form. It's Traore is in really good form. And no one knew about injury to him. Turns out he's got injured and he's going to be out for six weeks. So Jed Spence is going to play. And I think that's a really good sign. But maybe in six weeks, their captain and informed right wing back comes back and displaces Jed Spence. So maybe he'll get six weeks of game time and then who knows what. Um, so it could be a slightly disappointing end to the season for Spence. But hopefully over the next six months we'll be seeing uh jed spence comps all over our twitter feeds him just like having a lot of fun with french fullbacks uh having them on strings because that would that would make me extremely happy 
Um, like, and, and Harvey White is the other player that's gone out on loan. He's gone to Derby County in League One. Good loan. I've got no, I've got no problem with that. He'll play, he'll play regularly, and that's what he needs at this stage. Nice. My issue with with Brian Hill, with Jed Spence, and Harvey White is we've essentially learned nothing in the last six months, and their development has stalled. Uh, other than training with the first team, I mean, you can you can argue whether you think that's that's more beneficial or less beneficial than you know actually playing football matches. Personally, I think um, all of them would have benefited more from playing regular games over the first six months of the season, and I think we should have loaned them out at the start of the season. And there's something skew if about how we are assessing our squad and deciding who to loan and, and to wear uh, and it, this happened in January is is better than it not happening at all but I think I just think that the stra- the overall strategy needs serious uh, someone needs to take charge of a situation and someone needs to say hey look we've got all these players are you going to play them Antonio no okay cool we'll loan them then um, you know this has not been good for for White and Spence and Brian Hill Brian Hill in particular because you know he's visibly frustrated he's um the way he speaks about having joined Sevilla, he's he's obviously had a difficult time. What if we hired a guy and his whole job was whatever it was to see academy roots into first team or something? I know, right? And then he leaves after um, less than a year to join Arsenal because he's frustrated with constant changes within the work at the club. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, we should mention Jude Soonsup Bell who was an absolutely prolific under-18 at Chelsea. Prolific, like, ridiculous scoring record. Uh, and then I think it's fair to say has not developed as they would have hoped. Okay. Um, there's some speculation as to the reasons behind that. Uh, I don't really want to engage with all of that speculation, to be honest, because I'm, I'd am i rather give the player a chance to, okay. to prove himself. Uh, but there was definitely some talent there. I think it's fair to say that, like, as we've seen at Spurs in the past... Not all players are the same player at 21 they were at 18. Like it, player development is not linear. It's not a straight line, and it's really difficult to to work out what happened at what point to stop it. You know, to stop him becoming a superstar. Um, but you never know. A fresh start might be just what he needs. Worst case scenario, we've got him on a free. We can probably get him out on loan and flip him for a fee at some point. Uh, best case scenario is he rediscovers his previous form at Chelsea and we've got a real talent in our hands. To be honest, we've got extremely good young forwards at our club now. Um, and, you know, I'm not even thinking of Parrot and Scarlett. I'm thinking of Donnelly and Lancashire, who are really, really exciting young talents. Um, add soon Sutbell Bell to that and that's a pretty good array of, of attacking talent that we should be pretty excited about, I think. Lancashire, who was brought in by the aforementioned... Um, what, what is the term? What, what um, progression guy? Role yeah, progression yeah. guy who's now left to, to go to Arsenal. Yeah, Chris something. I think I, I forget his name. So when we started talking about Doherty, you mentioned uh, Emerson Royale. How do you feel that he's the one that survived of the two of them, of the three of them? I suppose. Um, uh, well, we've seen this season a very strange um, back and forth where. Um, start of the season Emerson Royale is playing almost all of the minutes and Doherty finally sort of finds his way in and you're thinking oh okay this is a fitness thing he, he still wasn't recovered from his injury he took his time to build his, build his fitness so Doherty gets a run as the first choice right wing back and it's better it's not great but it's better 
and then sort of more recently Emerson Royale was, has taken the place back from him for some reason. <laughs> so that's obviously a factor. Conte does seem to like Emerson Royale. Well, you had ITK that it was more than that, that he loved him. He absolutely loves him. He really likes him, yeah. Yeah, I have heard that um, from a a very reliable source as well. (laughs) Um, But maybe also we think that we can get a fee from Mr. Royale, just not in the January window, um, Mm. whereas there isn't a fee for a um, 31-year-old. So we're going to hold on to Royale to extract more value out of him and then work something else out for a backup next season, like signing Mm. Matt Doherty on a free... (laughs) Jesus. Or I suppose if you're assuming Conte goes, then Jed Spence can come back to the club. Yeah, I mean, you have to say that if Conte goes, then we look in really good shape next year with some of the young players returning to the club after loan. Um, Hopefully better for that additional development and additional game time. Um, I did want to talk briefly about Alfie Devine, but before we do that, I will hand over to Bardi to talk about our partnership with Athletic Greens. I started my AG1 journey because I like clarity in what I'm doing. With AG1, there's one drink and one drop of vitamin D. No last minute spanners, no hidden extra costs, no confusion over who's doing what and who's paying whom. There's no need to fly out to Lisbon or the local health shop to get what you need. AG1 helps your metabolism, energy and ability to adapt to stress, which are all very useful in a tight deadline window. Stick to your automations. One scoop of AG1, one drop of vitamin D, shake and poro away into your body. So Athletic Greens uh, was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him $100 a day. And AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Alfie Devine, uh, there was some speculation at the start of the season before the window closed that he would get a season-long loan. Uh, he didn't, and the suggestions were that one of the reasons we might not have loaned him was because we were hanging on to him so that he becomes club-trained for the UEFA regulations. That is that he's been at the club for a sufficient amount of time that he qualifies as being club trained and is essentially an extra player we can have in our squad. You have you can have four um, association playing, uh, trained players, two of which can be club trained, and it means it opens the squad up and makes it um, much more straightforward um, in terms of the number of players you can name. Uh, so we have other opportunities to to keep him around and make him club trained. It doesn't have to be now. He can go on loan and come back and stay at the club for six months and still be club trained. So I'm not sure that this is a reasonable um, take. I personally think that Alfie Devine at this stage in his career is is more than ready for a for a men's loan. He needs to go and play men's football. Um, I was having a conversation on Twitter earlier with someone who was talking about um, Alex Scott, who plays for Bristol City, who I really, really rate. And the person was saying, you know, uh, Alfie Devine's better than Alex Scott. It was Lily White Rose I was was, was talking to. And I was like, yeah, but the difference is that Alex Scott's played five and a half thousand minutes of men's football and Alfie Devine's played 44 minutes of men's football. And Alfie Devine's a year younger and he could catch up, but, you know, he, he needs to be playing. 
And I do think it's slightly strange that Spurs have prioritised potentially this idea of him being club trained over his actual footballing development because we know how important it is to strike while the iron's hot when it comes to the development of young players and, and not let them stagnate. So I'm a little disappointed that we've not got him out on loan. Alas, that's uh, not that unusual with Spurs and youth development, unfortunately. We should talk a little about the Preston game, Nathan. Oh, yeah. Um, a 3-0 win, you know, that, and that, that shouldn't be sniffed at. It, it felt, by the end, it felt quite comfortable. So the lineup saw Harry Kane on the bench. Were you Woo! surprised that we, we this finally happened? I was pleased. I was pleased this finally happened. And not only did it happen, but it happened when, like... Um, there was a, an excuse not to, which is that Richardson mm, was Richardson. late. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was very. We we rested Kane and we won. Those are two things to be happy about. We rotated generally and we mm-hmm. won. What I was most happy about, I think. Uh, no, that's not fair. I was most happy for Son. What I was mm-hmm. second most happy about is that the narrative of the season, the pattern of the season, has been um, good half, shit half, or shit half, good half. Um, and Preston was so. Um, unpresent in midfield in this game um, mm. that we were able to to dominate both halves. And that was quite a relief to see us do that. Um, yeah, Preston looked pretty rough in my opinion. Maybe that's just mm. they made a mistake in how they set up for the game, but they didn't They didn't give us a hard time much at all. Um, mm. Sun, unshockingly, looks good when he's able to receive the ball with a yard of space or facing towards goal. Um, and multiple times in the game and receiving from sh- short passes rather than ones, you know, shot into his chest with a player on his ass. Um, so, yeah, all of that is pretty good. And I also really like that Dan Juma scored. Um, one point I was planning to make on this podcast is like um, we've seen it can often take a player quite a while to settle in under Conte to learn the patterns. Basuma still struggling with that now, whereas yeah. Bentoncourt came in hit the ground running right you, you see that that difference um Danjuma's on a short loan with an option to buy for quite a lot so my concern was that he would come in take several weeks to learn the patterns um get a couple of injuries along the way because he's a very injury prone player and then by the time that he's ready and we're ready for him um we're only playing one game a week and we don't need him after all and then we don't get a good judgment on whether this is a player worth spending loads of money on or not mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. him scoring on his debut helps quite a bit <clears throat> as by the way there's the fact that when he came on he played the center forward role which is possibly someone made this point to me i forget who or where um that um involves less sort of pattern based work because you're the you're the inventive end you're the um improvisational end of things in the sun and cane type roles um so yeah a lot, a lot of things to be moderately pleased with in that game yeah mm. Yeah, I think um, we absolutely dominated the ball. As you say, Preston were very disappointing. As I understand, they have been all season. I've seen a bit of them because of Troy Parrott. Yeah. They've, they've been dreadful. Uh, they've changed their manager as well. Um, uh, we absolutely dominated the ball, as I was saying. But is there any concern that we didn't really create much? So expected goals 0.79. Is that anything we need to be worried about? No, because... If you create um, a chance from 25 yards for Sun, that's a good chance. And if you score yeah. from it, you don't need to exert yourself trying to score more. Yeah. Um, yeah, we weren't we weren't greatly creative. We lacked um, like depth in behind um, offense from the wing backs. Shocker. Um, 
I think that we could have switched around so that Perisic was the left wing back. Son was mm. playing centre forwards on you know, nominally, but moving about from there. And Sessegnon was the inside left player um, mm. because then you get Pe- right. because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you get Perisic on the ball out wide, and that would have offered us a, a different threat. We were very sort of congested, but we managed to do okay through that congestion, um, despite the limitations, despite no Kane, despite rotated defenders, um, despite rotated midfields. Um, despite lacking much at all from our wing backs, um, we still managed to create enough for, for to score three goals. I'm, I'm not worried. I feel like we should speak a little about how broken Sessegnon looks at the moment. We we did have this conversation about a month ago, didn't we? About how it just feels like it's just not going to work out for him. Yeah, it does feel that way. I um I've been thinking about this recently. I nearly tweeted about this because um. Firstly, I mentioned a few episodes ago, like I think that playing on the same side as Sun limits his game a little bit because his thing is arriving at the back post. Um, which, by the way, if you're a Spurs fan, you might think that being a wingback who arrives at the back post is like a fairly common thing. Um, but it's not. We've got, like, we just released Doherty, but <laughs> we've got a good, with Sessegnon, with Doherty, with uh, Destiny, um, with being linked to Dumfries, we've got a good stranglehold on most of the fullbacks and wingbacks who do that in world football. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> I do think that playing um, on the same flank as Sun has had a has had a negative effect on his attacking output. But I also think that um, I and Spurs um, might have made a mistake with his development. I I gunned hard for Sessegnon's development is best off as, he, as a wing-back. Um, I gone hard saying the, the best version of Sessegnon is the version that turns into a wing-back and is able to do his attacking stuff whilst also you know not being a dedicated attacker but being someone who can go up down his flank and do a bit of defending, a bit of ball-carrying. And I'm beginning to doubt that that was the right call. I definitely think there's something in that. His his next move is so critical for him so so fascinated to see what happens with him um depending on who our next coach is and whether they want to give him another try um i do feel now that he has so much impressing to do of the spurs fans to kind of get them back on side that it's almost not worth it like i feel a lot of people have just completely given up on him and we've seen players come back from that situation before but it's it's difficult and it's quite rare but he just he he looks so sad all the time he just looks like he's completely lost all of his self-belief and self-confidence and getting those back is what's gonna make him a good player again ultimately and i just can't see it happening i can't see it happening he's he's a player that's too reliant on um things around him being right for him to excel and requires optimal conditions which simply aren't there at the moment and i can't see being there for him for for a while so i am i am i'm pretty much over the assessing on experiment at this point yeah i sort of feel like he needs to just be a backup for the rest of the season yeah i Um, he put on a bunch of muscle weight he really worked on his explosivity over the summer and he he didn't use that to to dominate his opposite number he didn't use that to um be great in the air he didn't use that to um take his man on he didn't use that to muscle his man off the ball um he just sort of looked a bit because thicker. i think it's mostly in the head it's like he, he, he if he believes that he could muscle them he could have done it before like i don't think he needed to add more muscle probably it would definitely have helped but i don't think he needed that i think he just needed to believe that he could beat those players to the ball beat those players in the tackle and i don't think he does believe it that's crazy I think he's, I think he's just 
it's, it's really sad, but I think he's just broken as a footballer right now and it's going to take a lot to rebuild him. And we've seen this before. We've seen this before a lot at Spurs. Um, it doesn't feel great watching him. And like, Bardi's mentioned it before, like the way he gets substituted and has to walk around the whole pitch, it just feels cruel, lap doesn't of it? shame. It does feel like a lap of shame. And he seems like such a nice, mm. such a nice young man as well. Just feel, feel really sad for him. feel really, really sad for him. But hey, you know, we're not a charity. Um, Sam King wrote guessing you're aware of the interview Sol Campbell did with the Guardian over the weekend in case you're not he linked to it be fascinated to hear your collective thoughts on what Sol has had to say on the next upcoming episode of The Extra Inch so Sol Campbell has given an interview with the Guardian where he talks about how Spurs fans constantly singing uh, about his death is is very difficult for him to deal with how it's been difficult for his family to deal with how um, it kind of implies that like, this situation has, has made his whole life really difficult. Um, I wanted to find out how you felt about that. I think it's good. Um, man, he's such a fucking dickhead. It's like somewhere in there, somewhere in there is a salient point. Somewhere in there is, is a worthwhile argument to have. Hey, the end of the day, it is just football, right? And it was 25 years ago. And it was 25 years ago. Yeah. But also, you're a nobbit, right? Also, you've never acknowledged... Um, zero self-awareness. Zero self-awareness. Absolutely you've zero never self-awareness. You've never acknowledged um, that you could have had an effect on other people. You've never acknowledged that, okay, only within football, you did something wrong, right? And also, you are literally a former Tory candidate for Mayor of London. That is so, so, so much more harmful in a practical, real, everyday sense, being a Tory to thousands, millions of other people than us singing songs about you ever could be. So I have no sympathy. So there's there's a point to be made, but not by him, not under the way he lives his life. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I think if it were anyone else, then it would be completely reasonable what he was saying. Like, it, like, I... I don't sing the song, it's jelly, you know, jelly and ice cream when Campbell dies. I don't sing that because I do feel like it's a little bit too much at this point, 25 years on. Um, and to be honest, I think most people aren't, are just singing it for a laugh, aren't they? They're not yeah. really like, they don't actually want Sol Campbell to die. They're just singing it because they think it's funny. Um, but even if they did, were singing it because they wanted Sol Campbell to die, like in a way, I'm a bit like, so what? It's, it's football fans, you know? As you say, he, he did something which is, pretty much the worst thing that a footballer could do to their club pretty much the worst. i can't think of too many worse things that a footballer could do to their club and their the club's fan base and to to 25 years on have absolutely no self-awareness about that no shame about it no sense of him feeling bad or an apology fuck him fuck, fuck him. Sol campbell fuck him. and I, I i sympathize with any fan who's like hey this is 25 years ago I don't care anymore. Or it was 25 years ago. I wasn't even like born. I wasn't a fan. You know, I don't care. Let's move on. Sure. I, I sympathize with that position. We could move on, but I also don't blame anyone um, who's still going on about it. And I definitely have no sympathy for Sol Campbell. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barley, and our tactics guy, Nate if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch. 
Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.